Did you know you can listen to this show ad-free on Amazon Music included with your Prime membership? To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free and catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. NVIDIA's sales more than triple as it scrambles to meet soaring demand for chips. Plus, Japan's Nikkei parties like it's 1989. The Japanese market has been powered by this good old-fashioned value investing. But in the last couple days, the reason it went over the top was because NVIDIA had great earnings yesterday, and that's made everyone happy about the AI revolution. And Alabama's largest hospital pauses IVF treatments after a court ruling says frozen embryos qualify as children. It's Thursday, February 22nd. I'm Luke Vargas for The Wall Street Journal, and here is the AM edition of What's News, the top headlines and business stories moving your world today. Chipmaker NVIDIA has reached new heights after its quarterly earnings yesterday surpassed all expectations, sending the stock very close to the $2 trillion valuation mark. NVIDIA's 67% operating margin for the last quarter was its best in 10 years and blew past Wall Street's targets. And for more on the market reaction to NVIDIA's earnings, I'm joined by Wall Street Journal Heard on the Street tech columnist Dan Gallagher. Dan, NVIDIA here achieving impressive triple-digit growth. What is driving this? Well, it's really all in one space. It's in their what they call their data center segment. And this is the business that is selling these supercomputer systems to very big companies like Microsoft, like Google, like Amazon that are trying to adopt generative AI into their systems. Just in this last quarter, NVIDIA made more than $18 billion in revenue in that particular segment. And that's more revenue than the whole company made on an annual basis just three years ago. And so any significant AI revenue actually starts with them because every company that wants to enable these services essentially needs to buy their products. There are some other chips out there that can like kind of supplement some of these uses, but NVIDIA's chips are really key to this right now. And so that's where any company that wants to be a player here really has to deal with NVIDIA. And that's the dynamic we're seeing right now. Yeah. In terms of that competition, Dan, you wrote just a few days ago that NVIDIA's staying power is now a major question and will depend on how far ahead it can remain of its competitors. What does that landscape look like? Right now, they still have a very strong lead. That was really evident in the earnings that they just reported. Their operating margins is at record highs. So they're clearly not having to like cut prices just to sell chips the way you might in a super competitive environment. There are new chips coming online, you know, from companies like Intel and AMD. And these big tech companies have some of their own in-house processors. But my understanding is a lot of those are going to be used in more specialized cases. But it doesn't look like, at least in the next year or two, that anybody is going to to be broadly competitive enough to NVIDIA to be a complete competitive replacement for them. I mean, they only project one quarter out, and that's like part of their longstanding practice. But they didn't mention that they remain constrained on supply for their current chips. And they threw in this interesting mention where their next generation of chips, which is likely to come online later this year, they expect that to be supply constrained. And that means that they've already had conversations and meetings with their biggest customers, shown them the specs, and those customers are just like, yes, I want to buy that, definitely. So they're already seeing that their order book is probably over full for something that's not even on the market yet. On that, Dan, to what extent do NVIDIA's sort of supply issues here factor into the, the potential market share that's available for its competitors to capture? 
It might factor in a little bit, but here's an important point. AMD is probably the toughest competitor to NVIDIA. They both use the same company, TSMC, to actually produce their chips. And because generative AI is creating such a computing need, and a lot of these needs are kind of very specialized, there's a lot of potential for AMD to get some significant business for themselves and not really hurt NVIDIA that much. So right now it's that kind of market where the entire market's growing so fast. There's plenty of growth for several chip makers, but NVIDIA really is comfortably in the forefront just based on its lead in technology and software related to how these chips work. Yeah, and TSMC, along with chip rival AMD, saw their shares also jump in off-hours trading after these NVIDIA results. NVIDIA here, really a bellwether for the broader semiconductor industry, as well as what to expect from the AI revolution too, right? There's a lot of chip companies that can probably make plays in AI over time. And it's a good reminder that any evolution in technology really starts at the chip level. The chips have to enable new technological capabilities. That's true with generative AI. That's true for older technologies that we've seen come into adoption. So usually chip companies are often at the forefront. Obviously, generative AI has now become such a high-profile headline issue that NVIDIA is getting a lot of attention for it for its lead. And, you know, we're going to see other companies, companies like Microsoft, Google, Amazon, build services with generative AI and, you know, eventually generate significant revenue from them. But they have to be enabled to provide those services. They need the tools to do that. So they need to buy the tools from the tool makers, which are in this case are the chip makers. All right. So NVIDIA's business really chugging along here in high gear. What does this all mean for investors, though? Sky high expectations around its continued growth have now brought NVIDIA's valuation higher than Amazon, higher than Alphabet. Can it continue to manage expectations around this rapid ascent? I actually think it's probably going to be its biggest challenge over the next year. I think that'll be a bigger challenge than growing its sales at a good pace the way it has. Now, lots of investors are turned on to this idea that's going to make the stock more volatile. We saw a 9% drop over the last few days ahead of the earnings just because there was this fear that, you know, the stock has come up so much and there's so much hype around this. Can the company possibly live up to it? We'll probably see more swings like this as we go throughout the year because that's the nature of how this is. Everybody's trying to get in on it. In fact, I did some calculations. NVIDIA had a market value of $1 trillion less than a year ago, and it was on its way to $2 trillion. And even at $2 trillion, if you took the stock and kind of divided it against projected earnings over the next four quarters, which is a very common valuation metric, it really wasn't that expensive compared to its history and compared to even uh, some other chip stocks we're seeing. So people look at the stock chart and see like a stock that's more than doubled over the past year and think, oh, wow, it's just way too expensive. It's not really. And that's because their earnings have come up so much that NVIDIA is actually a little cheaper than it used to be which I don't think necessarily will make the stock a little less volatile just because there's so much now speculation and excitement around it. But I think that's an important point to consider. Just this is a company that's not just selling a lot of chips. They're selling a lot of chips at really good profit margins. That's likely going to continue over the next year. The stock still has plenty of legs to run, and that really does help the valuation out a lot. I've been speaking to Wall Street Journal Heard on the Street tech columnist Dan Gallagher. Dan, thanks for staying up for us. My pleasure. Coming up, Japanese stocks finally surpass a record set 34 years ago, and how a court ruling in Alabama is already changing the landscape for fertility treatment in the state. We've got those stories and more after the break.
Hey, what's news fans? Listen up. Did you know you can listen to episodes of this very show ad-free on Amazon Music included with your Prime membership? That's right. All your favorite What's News episodes can be heard on Amazon Music ad-free. But that's not all. You get access to other fan-favorite shows like The Daily, Up First, and Fox News Rundown ad-free as well. Amazon Music has all you need to stay up to date on all things newsworthy by offering the most ad-free top podcasts, so we know they definitely have something for you. And it's already included in your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or visit amazon.com slash what's news. That's amazon.com slash what's news. It's just that easy. NVIDIA's blockbuster earnings have also fueled an unprecedented rally in wider stock markets this morning. First, Japan's Nikkei eclipsed its 1989 record, ending the day above 39,000. And then hours later, Europe's main index, the stock 600, also hit a new all-time high. Our European finance editor, Alex Frangos, told me that strong corporate profits have fueled investor sentiment. The Japanese market has been powered by this good old-fashioned value investing, you know, companies that were just undervalued and they're good companies, they make money. But in the last couple days, the reason it went over the top was because like NVIDIA had great earnings yesterday and that's made everyone happy about like the AI revolution and markets in general. And, you know, a bunch of the stocks that are very heavily weighted in the Nikkei, including SoftBank, which is a tech company that has a big exposure to chips, like was up a bunch today. And that's what kind of got, got it over the top. And Alex added that the Nikkei could have further room to run as the Bank of Japan holds off on ending its long-standing policy of negative interest rates. What could happen is if rates in Japan start going up and they're going down in the U.S., that's going to make owning Japanese assets more attractive, which will cause the yen to strengthen and will make it harder for Japanese companies that earn a lot of their earnings abroad from having these outsized profits. So, you know, part of the reason the Nikkei has gone up is the yen has been really weak because the Bank of Japan has kept on negative rates long past everyone else. You know, everyone in Europe gave it up. The Fed gave up, you know, quantitative easing and raised rates. So Japan's like a real outlier in that way. Consumer giants Nestle and Danone have reported a decline in full-year earnings as shop prices finally start to fall, hurting their bottom line. Nestle, whose brands include KitKat and Nescafe, said that sales growth will slow this year, a forecast echoed by French yogurt maker Danone, which said that sales had already slipped, hurting profits. Consumers, particularly in Europe, are cutting back on spending as food prices remain elevated. With the outlook for inflation now improving, however, food companies like Nestle and Danone will be less able to reap the benefits of higher goods prices while still having to field higher input costs. Meanwhile, new data shows that spending at U.S. commercial casinos hit a record last year of over $66 billion. That is according to the American Gaming Association and marks a 10% jump from the prior year and the third straight year of record-setting revenues. Catherine Sayer is the journal's gambling industry reporter. Last year's increase was driven in large part by the rise of online betting. More states have embraced online sports betting and online casino games, which had increases of 44% and 23% respectively. The numbers show that Americans have become increasingly interested in gambling apps by companies like DraftKings and FanDuel, even as consumers' spending budgets remain limited. 
The U.S. online gambling industry grew out of a 2018 Supreme Court decision that cleared the way for states to allow and regulate sports betting. 30 states and the District of Columbia now permit online sports wagering 24 hours a day. A major health system in Alabama has suspended IVF treatments days after a state Supreme Court ruling said that frozen embryos qualify as children. A spokesperson for the University of Alabama at Birmingham, the eighth largest hospital in the U.S., said yesterday that it took the decision out of concern that its patients and physicians, quote, could be prosecuted criminally or face punitive damages. Last week's court decision has raised concerns about the future of fertility treatments in Alabama, and the state's medical association said yesterday that it expects other IVF providers to follow suit. IVF currently accounts for an estimated 2% of U.S. births. And finally, teenagers are saying goodbye to the piggy bank and saying hello to the stock market as they increasingly look to invest their pocket money. In the last several years, brokerages such as Schwab, Vanguard, and Fidelity have all seen an increase in custodial accounts, which are opened by adults on behalf of teenagers before they turn 18. And as Journal Markets reporter Hannah Miao told us, those teen traders are looking to invest their cash in some hot stocks. A lot of them are buying the big tech stocks that are really popular among everyday investors. And they're stocks they know because they use their products. They're companies like Apple, Amazon. I had talked to one teen who drives a Tesla, so she invested in Tesla because she really likes the company. Um, Microsoft, a lot of the teens really like to play video games and Microsoft is really big on that. So it's a lot of big tech stocks that they know and love, as well as just buying regular index funds that are tracking the broader U.S. stock market. According to a study by Fidelity, an estimated one in four U.S. teens aged 13 to 17 have started investing. And that is What's News for Thursday morning. Today's show was produced by Kate Bullivant and Charlie Duffield. Our supervising producer is Sandra Kilhoff, and I'm Luke Vargas for The Wall Street Journal. We will be back tonight with a new show. Until then, thanks for listening. Did you know you can listen to this show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership? To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free and catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.